When this type of question comes, it doesn't just come and go. When it comes, uh, it, it, it really sort of um, uh, evokes a presence. Presence, you know. Because this question doesn't come to multiply a lot of words or nothing. This kind of question is not coming to excite your mind or nothing or to get into any kind of philosophical thinking. Yeah. It, it, it is like a, uh, it's God's question. When, if God was going to ask you a question, maybe this question would ask it. <laughs> when, when were you not free? Or did you come with this idea? So it's already a yeah. And uh, if you embrace this question, it's going to stay with you. The energy of it is going to stay. And whatever feels unfree is going to burn it. So you only have to accept, you know, it's not a, it's not even a sadhana question. It's not a question that now you must go away and practice, practice anything. Yeah. It, it challenges you right into the solar plexus of your being. Come, when are you not, when are you not free? How did you come to this doubt? Don't give it to your mind. You don't give this kind of question to your mind, because the mind is going to do all kind of nonsense with it. <coughs> Last night we were talking, and I said, it's like uh, you swallow one of God's grenades. Puts a grenade inside you. Swallow that one. What are you going to do after that? What's going to even happen to your sadhana, your spiritual practice? Everything is finished. So some space must already been a, been there, because something is preparing the inner space for such a kind of question. It's already preparing it. Otherwise, you cannot receive this question. You see. It's not a sort of pick-up question. It's not a. This is not a fortune cookie question. So something must already be <coughs> be ready to receive a question like that. Then you don't need any another another question after this. So another question now. Now you just sit there like a baby. You contemplate yourself. You sit in your own contemplation. You have to marinate in your own self with that. See if the mind can challenge this question. Because through the mind, the concept of the unfreedom of being bound was introduced by that, and we bought it. We bought this concept. Well, somehow there was another purchase that was much more innocent. There's another purchase of a concept that was more innocent. When the I became, I am the body. The doer of actions and the thinker of thought. When I became, I am this. 
that was a very innocent purchase. And all the beings have purchased this idea first. That is the password into this game of existence. I am this body. And then you have to come out. And the way out of the, this out of this game is through this question, who am I? Who came here? Who came into this? And what watches this? What knows this? What's always been here? And in front of some intelligence, all this 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 game of existence is being acted out. But there's a seeing place that is beyond every category. It doesn't belong to any category, not a category of religion, of politics, no spiritual discipline, no race, no gender, nothing at all. It doesn't fall into that. Everything happens in front of it. And you have to find that thing. When you recognize this, such doubts will all shatter all your doubts. And it will not replace them with belief even. Something much more intimate than belief. Not even intimate, because intimate still there is some separation. The inseparable uh, self. So you are very fortunate even to get a question like that in your life. Easy? Because as I said before, some questions they don't need answers. You just need to even that the question is asked already. And then it will shatter all delusions with it. But you must respect this question also. Don't worship it, but respect it, meaning you embrace it and you sit sit quietly inside your heart and uh, just bathe bathe in what the question is invoking in you, waking up in you. So I would say that is a very, very fortunate uh, revelation to happen inside you. And this is what happens through satsang, is not really so much the emphasis is not so much about teaching, 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 teaching. Because very often the teaching and the learning is happening in a department of the mind and the, still the person is taking credit and claim for it. But in your own genuineness, some waves of illumination they come inside the being and they open up again the consciousness to its own vast kingdom. It doesn't keep you into this littleness of mind as this person climbing up some hill. You are not you are not some little entity climbing up some hill. There was those days are going if they are not yet gone. Now you must collapse into the infinite. It's fortunate are those people who who can, you know, swallow such a big question. It's not even really a question. It's not even really a question, is it? some insights that when they take place, you don't need another insight for now. It's like a powerful tablet. And uh, you know, 
everything is tenderizing your being again, you know. The satsang is tenderizing your being again because we have grown a bit of, you know, outer skin, a bit of toughness. And out of this toughness, some doubts coming, all these things are coming. But in satsang again, you are tenderizing yourself again, meaning that you are becoming much more uh, sensitive, more open again, more childlike in that way, very receptive, very flexible. And uh, with that, then all the powers can work somehow. If you are tough, that means that you have swallowed a person somehow. A person is a very tough thing. Nothing can digest it. It's too tough. It can only be spat out. <laughs> you see? And then everything is flowing again. All the system is flowing beautifully again. So don't sub- don't subscribe to this notion only of the evolutionary self, which is growing a little bit, growing a bit more and so on. It is okay for a certain stage when the consciousness is not sufficiently uh, receptive. It's still too much soaked into the juice of personal identity, so it cannot, it cannot, it cannot take on big thoughts, big steps. You know, it's still munching away little little things. But at a certain point, you become so so empty that you can accommodate the presence of God. This is a very different thing. You can start with a little tiny, tiny, tiny of tiniest little. Whole, but it expands by itself. It's growing somehow, and it pre- it prepares your inner environment for 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 something that can sound so innocent. You see, many people you may ask this question may come, but they cannot they they cannot sense the magnitude of this question, so it's wasted. You see, and as I said before, it will only be wasted if it's not really coming from the pure consciousness. Because consciousness does not waste any part of its expression, you know, in the real in the real environment. But if the if the satsang is a kind of more mindy thing, then most things get wasted. It's just turned into into junk food, into just kind of philosophy or something. Hmm? So this is very good. I'm very happy. Not just that the question came. But the timing of that question, and that everything worked together, the question didn't just fall. It's not a meteorite just lands someplace out in the forest. This question, this meteorite lands inside your heart, and it will do. It's very good. It will detonate its power there. <coughs> so how are you going to do any sadhana with such a question? It completely devastate you. Sharing as we talk now, as we talk now, I am reminded of something which I shared before, but perhaps now is an apt moment to 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 remind to rem- to bring this thing again. One time in my town, I was, uh, many of you have heard this before. I was I was uh, walking in in, the, in my town. My town is quite a busy town in London, and. Um, 
I was just on the corner of a road called Electric Avenue, as some of you know. And I saw two of my school, old school, not really friends, but we were at school together. No? And we all know each other, but they were on the corner of some shop. And they were kind of arguing, but kind of philosophically, about some philosophical thing. But they were talking very, very strongly with each other, you know, like, not cursing, but just each is standing for their own concept, you know. Oh, but I'm telling you, no, 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 no spit fly. Uh. And then I, I somehow was caught by this. I was watching them just from a little bit like that, just watching a little bit. And then I said, my God, I remember, I remember feeling like that. Having conversations like that, you know, very, very passionate, very zealous for your ideas and talking about what are you talking about? No, you don't know, man. It's not your experience. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, I, I remember, like this. And so, but I, I could not find, I could not find it in myself. I said, but I remember, no. Then I wanted, for some strange, strange reason. I wanted to experience that passion. <laughs> I wanted to get into that state because I had a sense that I I used to have feelings like this and talk about things and so I went home and I went up in my little room and I tried to recall sort of like you know some scenarios like with some friends where we would be talking like and we had very strong you know I said yeah I remember being like this I remember like that and I was trying to kind of get it. And I really wanted to, for some reason, to stir up the feeling, the kind of passion to feel, yeah, I had thoughts like this. I believed things strongly like this before. And I was trying, trying to evoke this feeling again. And from inside, because you say like that, that it just came from inside, this thing. And like a voice inside say, you were never like that. <coughs> But I was. I, said, I remember when I was talking with John about this thing. You were never like this. You only imagined you were this. And then that thing just completely collapsed. Then I realized this thing. We are never what you imagine yourself to be. We are never what we imagined, what our the constructed self, <coughs> the egoic identity, all the pride, the the all these ideas we have of who we are, self image, you are never doing that. That voice says you have ne you were never that. You only imagine. And a recognition sprouts from some place inside yourself that you don't know. It is not a technique. It doesn't come out of some kind of practice. When such truth is uttered or revealed itself, it is completely you just cannot you cannot do anything about it but collapse in its presence. It takes all your strength. There comes a time when somehow maybe you may read something, maybe from a book of a master or something, and one sentence 
will completely cripple you. People say, yes, I read this book yesterday, and then I read one before that. I said, yeah, <laughs> okay. But you will hear or read or see something in your life, and you will not go any further. You are going to break down right there and let it enter your heart and do its work there. It's going to detonate someplace inside, behind your solar plexus. This, this is how one must come to this altar. You have to come more naked than naked. You have to be willing, at least in your heart, to have this attitude. In actuality, you cannot accomplish it, but your attitude is good enough to say, Yes, yes, all the way. Don't give God some checklist of what you want. I want to dislike this and so on. You see? So you have to exchange yourself for that truth, or willing, be willing to somehow. So still we are in the market bargaining somehow with things. I want to be like that. I want more like this and more like that. So this is just sort of a spiritual shopping. But uh, there come a time when you somehow you just offer uh, yourself, no? As Rumi say. Uh, whoever brought me here must take me home. Then I ask, how much distance to home? How many kilometers from home are you? What home are you looking for? So one is finding like that that the home is, is distanceless. There is no distance there. Only the distance of imagination or thought is there. Of uh, culturing and programming, some programming conditioning or something. By itself it doesn't have the power even. Because something watches conditioning. Something is there before conditioning, huh? And beliefs. It watches belief also. There is a space from which even belief is watched. All things are seen from this place. However subtle, even space is perceived from this place. As I said, even silence is heard from there. But it doesn't take visitors. You cannot visit there. You can only be there. You cannot visit there. Visit there is coming from the mind, you see, because it's a duality that makes us feel that there is us and there. But in reality, there is no us and there. Us is there. Us is that. I is that. But something has to somehow remove this, these final seeds. Of I-ness, I meanness. The satsang is doing this, is taking away this this fake distance, this fake separation. 
but you cannot do it all at once. It can happen in a flash, or it seems in a flash, but it has been taking a long time to prepare you internally for that flash, because most people cannot bear it. We are too much immersed in uh, conditioning, we are too much loyal to our own conditioning, and we are afraid to somehow be free of our uh, attachments. So something is already spring cleaning you from inside to make your inner space uh, a good accommodation for the pure self. This is still a dualistic language somehow, but uh, necessary for 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 a time. Most people in the world are not ready for this type of talking. You know, they would think it's hardcore. It's too, too, this is too strong for them. It's too direct. It's too actually. It's too simple. That's what it is. It's too simple. Yes, it's too simple. We want to climb up the hill, and we want to compete also while we're doing it, because uh, the sense of personal attainment, personal achievement, is still somehow. That uh, that perfume is still strong, strong inside us. You see. So I think rarity is that the the, the the people come who are whose heart can embrace with such profound simplicity. It's a simple thing because there's so much already in us. Of what you have to do, you have to do this. You have to try. You keep trying and force. And you're not meditating long enough. And, you know, you're not. You see this this very strenuous strenuous approach make it seem as though the supreme is separate and far off on top of some hill or something, but it's inside your own heart. If you have to go anywhere else, then you must take a step in some direction. Which direction will you take to go to the self? You see. So the normal kind of compass cannot help you. I'm going to tell you an easy way about all of that, because I am terrified is also arising. Is it? Don't let the I am terrified be the stopping place. I'm terrified of what's going. The I am terrified is also part of that noise also arising. But there is something that is not arising there. Is it? But there also some little things are going to gather around, you know. And for a while, uh, the beingness is still not totally cured itself, is it? So some little, some little, little, little neighborhood thoughts are going to hang around for a little bit. We have one, uh, one thing in our country a lot: uh, stingrays. You go and watch stingray swimming. You see stingray. They always have lots of little tiny fishes around them, pecking, 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 pecking. Sometimes you're in the water, you don't see. You're looking for stingray, you don't see any of them because they're right on the bottom, flat on the floor. But if you see little fishes jumping around, you watch, and suddenly, and they are going. So there's these little thoughts like these little fishes around the stingray, the stingray identity. And uh, it will still come. Some little thoughts will come like that, and they will come and raise doubt, because it is still uh, the self, but the self, the self is still um, 
still carrying a little bit of the hypnosis of the conditioning. When you say like, why are they still coming the thoughts? And I rather say, but let them come. There's no problem, but let them come. For whom are they coming? To whom do they speak? You know, this you can try and notice what it is. Then you see that it's they are conversing with my self image. <laughs> with the idea I am carrying of who I am still. They will make a little noise around that. You see? And use that noise because it's a quality and there's a weaknessing of that quality. That that's the more important thing. That if there's a weaknessing of it, then you cannot be that thing exclusively. It is connected somehow with your energy field, but it's not your essential being. You must try and recognize somehow your essential being. You cannot recognize it objectively, like you're seeing this thing. This is my essential being. Can it cannot be your essential being. You see, because the seeing of that is telling you that this is also just phenomenal. It will also go. Like you say yesterday. Why you say yesterday? Because it's past. You see? Last night, 8 p.m. Because it's past. And everything is passing. Everything that comes, goes. Has anything ever come and stayed? Everything is coming and going. So, in the maturity of your own being, you cannot, something just gets used to that. And like I gave the example of the people who were living by the airport, you know, at some point, like I, I went to visit one, and by the airport I was saying in satsang that uh, the planes were going out. <laughs> I said, "Wow, what, what is this? You see?" Or when I one time went to Lakshmi's place in London, living by the train, the living by the tra- the train passed behind the house. <laughs> Again, you know, I said, "How you can live in a place like this?" Is it what? They don't notice anymore. Why you don't notice? Because the same, the same uh, loudness of noise is is change for you. Well, actually, at a maybe at a scientific, if you have to measure, the same sound level is there, but there's no engagement with this. It's not significant, huh? and I want you to pay attention to that because it's not significant, so it doesn't register as a disturbance anymore for you, because you're not giving it your attention. Because your attention energizes the thing you're looking at. You see, when something has accepted the thing, the things may still be there, but they don't register anymore. They're not disturbing anymore. So effectively, they're not there. Because unless the mind says something is like this, effectively, it is not like that. We have only somehow, as I say, you are perceiving what you are conceiving. Whatever you have somehow solidified as being something that's true, something kind of presses save, and somehow it joins the kingdom of your own thinking. And then it seems that, but that's just how it is. But this is just how it was thought to be. You see? Now, if you had to go and undo all these thoughts one by one, it would be amazing. You cannot do it. Hmm? So the consciousness, one big clean, you know, like something comes and the table is dirty, it takes a big cloth with stuff and goes, does most of the cleaning, leaves some little dirty thing behind. So it gives a bit of work after to keep doing. You have to slowly kind of finish cleaning. Because we want the tablet. 
that just go finish forever. It's not good. You don't. It's not important that that happens. It's important that there's some aspiration in the being that keeps on looking and checking in with itself and gradually gets attuned to this uh, this 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 way of transcending. Is very very important. Otherwise, you're suffering existence. But you must use it to somehow, to as a, as a kind of mirror, to reflect your being back to yourself, so you remember what you are. But we are treating it like it's a curse. Your life is not a curse. It's only a kind of curse if you are thinking, oh, you know, no, why is it happening to me? You see, and uh, you're you're whinging about it. But uh, it's not a curse. You have to in this mighty game. You must uh, discover your own mightiness. And most things, <coughs> the potential of thought and stuff, most they don't trouble you. Ninety-nine point nine things in the world don't trouble you. Just that zero point one is enough for you. Would floor you each time. And because no human being can be suffering from every thought in the world. No, there are some things which are the seed thoughts that create you have a relationship with those thoughts somehow and almost always is personal something to do with identity these are the thoughts that are going to trouble you and the consciousness needs these personal thoughts somehow to develop again spiritual muscle it has to you know struggle through them and to remember itself to come out of it this is why i call it the great game like that because everyone is bitten by the somehow the serpent of conditioning and and even the great feeling of the I am, I tell everybody, come to the place of the I am, the unassociated I am, where the sense of presence is there. There's a sense of presence. Be only that presence. You see, don't combine it with any. Don't give it. It doesn't have a career. That presence doesn't have any career. But career is played out. It's not mother, father, child. It's not a, you know. It's not a doctor or lawyer. You know? But those, it puts on that uniform for a little bit, and it's quite fine to play that role. But it itself is not that. That recognition of that imageless presence must, you must come to this place, and it announces itself inside the body, in the form, I am. <coughs> this I am is called like the presence of God itself, because none can exist independent. Of the presence of God, which I call the presence. When you are free from your identity kit and oh, I am this and I went to school here and stuff. When we grow out of that noise, and all that's left is that state of presence. This is a very beautiful vibration of being. With that, everything you can have. Everything is happening out of that. Man needs a lot of technique. The Supreme has no technique. Because we have this concept that we are here in life and we are living our life, but the one who is free doesn't have that duality. You are life. It's not you and life. If there is you and life, then who are you? Then you must uh, establish your identity. You must stand up for yourself. Who are you? If there is you and life. Then identify what this you is.
this sense of I is itself sentience. But sentience for a while adopts the characteristics of the, the human instrument and then starts to refer to that as though that's what it is. But it's just the uniform of the being which it wears for a bit. You must know that. The body is there, it's fine, the body is innocent. What is not innocent is the way they can say it's the mind, in a way, for a while. But the mind originally is innocent also. You see, it's innocent also. It has to play this game. If the, listen, if the mind was not there, this cannot be here. None of this can be here. But when you, ourself, the self, takes the name of the person, takes the identity, I am this body, this is me, I am a man, I am a woman, I am this or I am that, then the mind also gets transformed into the adversary of that concept, to play like the friend and the adversary to that concept. And together is the consciousness needs this conditioning in order to somehow to evolve, to develop aspiration and the struggle and to contemplate and to fight to suffer to to then come come back to itself otherwise there's no game then either you are going to say the game is indeed good or it's just a terrible curse but whatever you say will depend upon your vision how you look you have to clean your vision you have to clean your vision not with imagination because imagination is not needed <coughs> mm? it's, it's incredibly good. Yes. At the same time, there is this fear of missing the chance. Yes. <coughs> you are greater than chance because it is you that see chance. Chance does not see you. Contemplate that. Chance also is a concept at the end of the day. <coughs> These are instant things. These are instant seeings. You see, this is not things to develop later. You know, it's an instant thing. You see, the chance. Or, you know, I want to miss my chance. The chance and the one who will miss it is uh, is is just a play of the mind. Also, ultimately, now most many people. I'm probably. I'm happy to say most are not yet ready to grasp such a simple thing. Because we are so our minds are. are being has been so soaked in conditioning, and we believe the conditioning. You believe your conditioning more than you believe God, actually. If, if I'm to be honest about it, we believe more in our delusion than we believe in the truth. It's like that. We have because we have a firmer relationship <coughs> with duality, and you cannot have a relationship with non-duality. You can only be that. You see. The relationship has to be with the duality, is it? and then it, it's it, we seem so immersed in that, but it's not true. All of it, every part of it, is illusion. And by illusion, I don't discard us as illusion. No, I don't find it's it's a, it's not a horrible thing. It just it has to be understood. When it is understood, somehow, you say that you know. The, it turns out, when I say that it is a dream, and I don't say that often, because it is mostly misunderstood. When I say it is a dream, I mean that it is impermanent, and it is always changing. What we see through the senses, 
through the mind because this is the field of changes that's always changeful. In order to observe the changeful, you must be looking from the unchanging. It is already like that. Otherwise, if all things are swinging, you cannot measure their movement. You are just confused. But even the tiniest movement is perceived in you, because it starts from stillness. You see? And even stillness is also known. Even stillness is known somehow. So where is the knower of stillness? You see? And let's not put flesh and bones on top of that, because flesh and bone is also seen. It is an imageless place. It is a place that is, has no beginning, has no. It is not. It is not caught in the bubble of time. The time also is perceived and exposed as a myth. Uh, but uh, this is total respect, because all this creation and this creating. It's. I mean, who else can do it? From where it cannot have two creating points. It is coming out of the same. This small nipple is producing all this, all these galaxies of beings. You see, and perceiving them, and in each instrument of perception, you know, it is possible uh, to somehow uh, reflect again. That's why I say the word reflection is good, because the reflection itself is not the thing. It just shows you the thing. It shows the thing to itself. You look at yourself in the mirror. Uh, you can't put the makeup on the mirror. You somehow you is it reflecting back what you are here. And um, so what you see cannot be the thing. It's only reflecting or reflection or projection from the thing. The thing cannot be seen. These are just sort of like uh, spiritual clues. To that which cannot be seen phenomenally. Therefore, when I was saying that you, the knife can cut many things, but it cannot cut itself. The eyes can see many things, but they cannot see themselves, not directly. You see, it can only see through reflections, because the thing is so one. It has to divide in order to see itself. And if it divides, is it seeing half of itself? I mean, how is it seeing? Is it? So this is just the miracle of duality. The only way that there can be experiencing is if there is duality. Without duality, there can be no experience. So duality is a, itself is the, the maybe maybe the first creation is to create the illusion of separateness. We don't have to go so much into that because it is not necessary. These are things that just they will be revealed along the way. That's not the primary thing to know. The primary thing to know is that behind all the phenomenal appearances, uh, all of them are perceived. That which perceives them, can that be perceived? And this is not a philosophical question. It is sort of like a true seeker's question, a devotee's question. You must go to find. This the some are very afraid of this question. I used to call it my Parana question, my Parana question. Because as you're asking it, 
the question is being devoured up. The questioner is being eaten by the questioning. The questioner who has a sense of separation in finding out but all this this is seen by whom is it seen? The question the question itself is eating up the questioner. And there's a fear of what will remain. And that one cannot be eaten. You have to come wake up that you're not inside any box. You have to accept this at some point. It may come back. It may come back in, but you must at least hear this thing. You are not in the box. You just imagine you are in the box. You are living this life. Imagine the box. Now, you may say, I know that someplace inside me, but the reality is, that's how my mind is working. I am constantly being pulled into these shapes, these tiny shapes, and constantly with this kind of, you know, psychological, you know, self centeredness or something like that. Is just always there and so on. And I want to show you how to be with this, so that you you understand that, because you're not being given a, a worse deal than Jesus Christ or anybody else. Everyone is going to have had a certain amount of this uh, this duality serum. Everybody's going to have a little bit of it. Because that's what it requires to be in this game of it, and then to come out of it, to come out of it. You see. And uh, the only thing is that people are different stages in that, where the voice becomes weaker and weaker. The voice of duality, the voice of the mind, the voice of the person. So there's a consciousness that has developed a relationship, a self-image as being a person. You see, and it is it is now uh, suffocating from this limitation. Now the very suffocation of the of this uh, limitation is helping you because it becomes unbearable. And when something becomes unbearable, something has to change. If it doesn't become unbearable, then you can say, "Well, you know, look at all these people; they're doing so nice in their life." Well, actually, they're asleep mostly. You see, now you're waking up. And, oh my God! No, I don't know. Like this, so you have to understand this. When you understand things, a kindness comes out of you. Then you stop taking things personally. We are in this, you know, like in I say that all the, in the same way that all the beings in the ocean are wet. In all the beings in the manifestation, they have some conditioning, and the conditioning you must not see it as a curse. The consciousness is somehow uh, soaked up all this conditioning, but it has to find out originally that it never, it itself has never been conditioned in its pure state. It has to find its pure state again. But something is very insistent, the belief, the identity, this is what I am, this is but I cannot help how I am, and blah blah blah. And uh, that is the part that is the mist that will clear for you. Because you are not that you are not this. This is why you can see it. This is why you can feel it. You can you know, because it is a it is a, a some kind of goo around uh, around the sense of being, you see. What I would say is, um, uh, don't wait for that. While while you're here, be fully, you know, because uh, what I don't want is to offer something that becomes a kind of talisman. You understand? 
because you are already complete. It's all this satsang, our conversations, our time together, all of this is a kind of uh, to to raise the beingness from the state of person again into presence again. So it's begin now to experience again from the state of presence and not as person, because the person is a very unstable uh, functioning of consciousness. You see, it's it's soaked in duality. And it's inconsistent. It will love you now, and hate you tomorrow. It cannot, it, and it cannot control its projections. So the only thing is not so much to develop this person, actually. You see, it's more somehow to move beyond the limited range of what the person, what that person, uh, is being perceived as. Why? Because it's a natural way. You are not the person. The person is a kind of construct. Why does it feel so real? Because you are consciousness, actually. We are consciousness, but the consciousness plus identity, consciousness plus conditioning, consciousness plus belief, consciousness, and that's where the the sense of uh, confusion comes. The beingness itself is uh, totally unconfused. This is why we try to introduce again to to remind you, to point out that even in your most ignorant state, the ability, the light of consciousness is always there, but it's like it's not being used. It's like you're walking in a dark place, you have a torch in your pocket, and you're still walking into trees. I said, well, use your light. Your light is always here. It's like you have a light we carry on your back. <coughs> so something is just, again, just start waking, waking up waking up the, the vital force and the consciousness to its own completeness again. Because while it travels in the notion of being the person, the person's progress is a very slow thing. It's kind of moving a little bit. Whereas from the place of the of the presence, it's it's seen that there's there's nowhere I need to really be going like that. The mind is keep on I make one step, it makes another step in front. And it's oh, you know, I'm I'm finding my way. But actually, you're moving out of yourself, if you can say like that. It's not true, but it's almost like a path is leading to another set of concepts and another set of concepts, and then you're just going around somehow in a circle or a spiral, and you don't see that. So, just keep in mind that it's all very simple. Just keep in mind it's all very simple, and the most my beautiful news. It is already perfect. The perfection already is. Just we expose the imperfection as a myth, then you don't have to bring in the perfection. It's already there. It's just there. It is that it is there. The whole idea of developing oneself into perfectness, it is also a scam of consciousness to do that. It is also one way. But ultimately, that bubble must burst when you realize that there is no you that get enlightenment like that. There's not two things. It's not enlightenment is not something you get. It's just somehow you wake up from that sleep of ignorance to the fact that I but I've always been this. You know it. Nobody has to teach you that at a certain point that it's just clear enough that my God, but uh, I've somehow always known this. But like I just I like I know it but I didn't know it. It feels more like that. And when you feel 
I'm going back. I'm going back to England. I'm going back to Norway. I'm going back to Brazil. I'm going back to wherever it is. It's a wrong thinking. See, already we are again. You're putting on your space suit again. Like I'm going back now. I start to pack everything, and you start to pack also. You're put back on your conditioning. Like okay, like you know, it's going to be like that. You don't know how it's going to be. When we discover more this here, which is beyond geography, and the now, which is beyond time, then somehow you are reintroduced to your own freedom. There is a because of this, we have the sense. Sometimes I'm doing, but I'm not doing. Hmm? I'm walking, but I'm not walking somehow. I'm reading, but not reading. Because the reading also is seen, and from the place where the reading is seen, there's no reading. There's just an isness. But the reading is happening, and it is also my experience. So I'm experiencing, experiencing. Also experiencing, experiencing. But who that is, nobody can find. You see? Now, this is something that it doesn't go down well to try and talk to people about it. Especially if you tell your family and so on, and trying to explain to your mother, I am nothing. No, you don't want to do that. Just you keep it your own secrets inside. You find that you can talk to people and somehow it happens. There's a kind of Spontaneity in that. There's a naturalness in this also. You don't have to try and demonstrate your spirituality. Just keep inwardly quiet. So your fragrance develops by itself. You're not not pushing anything about, not choosing who you want to talk to, not just that being in that uh, silence. That's why I say speaking, hello, how are you? But not speaking inside. Mm-hmm. Speaking. Going to shopping somehow, but not shopping. Now that seems like a kind of contradiction in terms. But inside the experience is why you cannot ex- the most the, the, the truth you cannot explain. You can only be. Often if we can explain, explain, some little lies are happening inside you. You see? Especially if you have the urge you want to want to want to want it. Then the best speaking is that which happens spontaneously. And I don't mean like out of um, out of habit, not just out of habit. One time I was walking, we were walking one friend, we were walking down in my town, from where I am on the hill, going down to the town. And we were just walking and I took her glasses, she had glasses on, yeah? and I took her glasses just jokingly, jokingly yeah, because they were a bit funky. And I put the funky glasses on, and I got a surprise. I could see. I said, My God! I think I was blind before. <laughs> I could see the buses, I could see the bus numbers. I never could see bus numbers. Well, and I said, Wow, this is amazing. I can see all types of things. It's amazing. But I was very happy to give her back. I don't need to see so many things. Because <laughs> I see the thing come in front, it's a good okay. You see? 
Sometimes you want to see so many things, learn so many things, but it keeps a kind of your mind in fragmentation. Too much information, too much, too much. You see? So even sometimes you find that your ailments they become a kind of blessing. Some people they can't go anywhere. If you're lucky, maybe you have a, maybe an accident and for five weeks you cannot go to work, you cannot go to the pub, you cannot go to whatever. You have to sit in your bed. Uh, maybe you cannot even lie down. You just have to sit. But what a sitting is going to be. I said one time, to be at the Master's feet is to be on top of the world. Some people, they, uh, when the, when everything seems to be in turmoil, they can't find a single place to rest. Sometimes people come like that. I say, look inside your heart, and even if you can find God's toenail, go there and just be in that toenail. Don't see anything but that toenail. Let that expand and cocoon you. And small things become infinite. Fortunate are they who come to see and to witness life unfolding. Just unfolding outwardly and inwardly. Sometimes we are too much caught with the outer unfolding. The story and the events of this movement and this happened and so on. But the inner unfolding also. Our grace unfolds into the welcoming heart and welcoming mind, like that. How it reveals things that you will not find in temples or books. You can only find in the temple of your own being. You keep quiet somehow, and you already are sitting in, in the fullness of your own yes. Something has said yes, yes, yes. Uh, here I am, in the most humble way, and uh, something is stirred up inside. And there is just a kind of an observing, a sweet observing, a devotional observing somehow, where everything is like everything is being taken care of like that. And almost like in the end, there is nobody there to celebrate any victory. Just what is here. And it is in real time with life. It is in real time with life. It just is. And uh, it's not tilting forward into what's next. It's, it's a state of full contentment, which is not different from love or from joy or from peace. It is a place where all these words they have a common root. Love is not different from wisdom. It's not different from peace. 
It's not different from space. It's not different from infinite. It's not different from God. It's like it's one root. You see? And then the, all the languages they collapse into that place. They sprout from there. You see? And it's not that there is anything to destroy, because every part of it is in service. You see? Just like everybody, they come and you have to learn the alphabet of your language, your A, B, C, Ds, or whatever. And then you become completely competent with it. You can make up your own words now. Okay, but you cannot curse the A, B, C. You cannot curse your alphabet now. Say, oh, you know, I don't need. You don't need that. No, no, because it's the foundation of what of all your language. So just make use of the things that. Life serves to you. In fact, life is always serving to itself in the form of the, of the being. And, uh, if the feeling is that they have to stretch, it's because somehow this is what consciousness puts inside this body to do, to stretch. But it will not take it. It will never bring in any more some kind of delusion that what you are stretching for over there is who you need to be. Something is never questioned anymore. Come a time like that. I perhaps don't have to use the word never. I don't have to use the word never. You know? Because to say never it becomes another limitation. Everything can sprout. Hmm? Everything can arise. But there's something that is not aroused. It is just it just is that is. And it is getting reacquainted with its own, its own self, its own stillness, its own silence, its own completeness. On the surface, like on the ocean, all the waves are there, and they are part of the great ocean. Sometimes you can say that thought streams and so on they can go on, but they will not oppress you any more than the waves can disturb the ocean. Let them play. But don't say that uh, the ocean belongs to the wave. More the wave belongs to the ocean. They are one, you can say like that. Ultimately, what is left is a silence of being, is there. It is not a posture, it is not living on pause or something, it is not preparing, it just is. Out of this vast, uh, unbound space, whatever needs the moment require, they spring spontaneously into activity. They satisfy their own intention. They fall back again into the great emptiness. And uh, you observe that, and how, how how uncluttered it is. Then you don't have to be carrying around any residential concepts. Somehow it's just what is needed. No need, no libraries in the being. It doesn't need any libraries, no encyclopedias. It doesn't need that. This is all for the mind. That's different. So, just this emptiness. The real knowledge removes knowledge. <coughs> leaves this vast, uh, vastness, this emptiness, out of which all things sprout. All things that has been, all that are, and all that can be, 
everything is sprouting out of that. This is uh, inexhaustible. Inexhaustible. Just in your quiet moment, you find that something is there that is looking out through these eyes somehow. Different ways of looking, sometimes looking in some kind of itemized, objective kind of focus. Another time, just somehow the seeing, the seeing of that also is seen. You start to multifunction through the senses. You can see through the nose, taste through the ears, caress through the seeing, drink through the feelings, all these things. And yet, we are not doing anything at all. Because of the vital force, the activity and the presence of the vital force in the consciousness, there is always some little ripples, some little streams, little tensions and stuff can be felt. Be comfortable with them. Don't don't read, don't exaggerate their importance. They don't have meanings or something. Sometimes it's just mm, just a, that subtle sound of the sense system functioning. It's not a reading of what is. Sometimes it seems to be there, sometimes not there. But there's no no great importance put on those things. Get accustomed to to this this sense of emptiness. Just get accustomed to it because it can feel like you know. But I don't I don't have any shape in my mind. I don't know what I'm going to do when I leave here. I don't know. And the mind is trying to rebuild again some some pyramid inside your head. And uh, you're encouraged just to just. Nothing at all, don't worry. Just like you cannot breathe tomorrow's breath now. If there's a tomorrow, that breath will come. Nobody has to go out looking for the next breath. And uh, in the true things in life, they're just happening. And why we are worried? Because we're not in tune and in time with life. Too much forecasting. You see? What's going to happen? And what happened before, and this this is what makes life miserable. So it's almost like something is helping you to introduce you to pay attention, just to just to now for a bit. Don't be obsessed about that. Life is not about paying attention to the now, because in in some way sometimes our now is still filled with imageries, imagery, imagery. So now is like now. I'm sitting here. 
I'm drinking this now. I'm not this type of now. Now beyond now. Now beyond the concept of now. Hmm? So don't be worried about yes, you know, not future, not past. Now, now is not an event. So there is a reorientation of the thinking ways, but you don't have to work on that. Who is going to work on this? When we speak to a person, you have to give instruction, do this, turn left, go right, underneath the bridge, up and down, because it's how a person uh, functions. But when we speak as consciousness, just understanding is needed, and everything aligns itself to that understanding. Just say yes, and everything. It said that uh, when God created the world, it just says, "Let there be light." It says, "How should I make this? How much, how much wattage I need to put?" Now? <laughs> no, no, just let there be that. So it is. Let there be this, and so it is. You see, but the human mind different. You know, everything bit by bit, brick by brick. How did this happen? Bit by bit, put everything together like this. But in the great allness. Say he just says, "Let there be that," and so it became. And there's not a creation; there's just creating. Because it is not a noun; it's more like a verb, really. This constant sea of changefulness, and how wonderful that things change. Because imagine if they couldn't. Just unbearable, but they take place in front of the unchanging. If there is the changeful, there must be the unchanging. The changeful, everybody know. The unchanging, they don't know. Which is the greater, you see? The unchanging is not the counterpart of the changing. It's not an opposite. The self causes all things to happen, because nothing can exist independent of it. Nothing can exist independent of it. It's the self that creates reggae music, that makes chapatis, that uh, plants the trees, and cause them to die in the earth. It's the self that causes all of them. It doesn't do it deliberately, because we are thinking, because we think deliberately. You see? We just have to use things within our poetic limitations. We say, God says, Let there be light. And uh, it is pleasing and it is fine also. Don't separate yourself from the Absolute, Easy. and then you come to to see all these little categories. They just uh, unite or merge into that into that allness. But don't cling to any kind of mental uh, faculty or reasoning. It cannot be somehow limited by our reasoning. It imparts the faculty of reasoning. To its portrait as a person, it paints a portrait as a person. And consciousness manifests as human beings or humanity. It is just a portrait of itself.
it just it's just a sketch underlying all the things all the things that we speculate we calculate we project we aspire for we try to forget well, all these things if the underlying the underlying thing is this quiet joy then you don't have to worry about anything everything is okay it's a mystery it's a mystical quality that somehow there's an understanding but not understanding you see it's like uh, the mind wants to understand something and say, Yeah, I got this, oh yes, yes. And there are many people whose intellect are sophisticated enough to kind of get the thing. But it can be like unswallowed food. Another one who has got the thing but didn't quite understand it. <laughs> you see? And then somehow the understanding just forms itself around it. Some people they get the the thing, they get the, you know, the the kiss from God or something like that, and they are just they just they are just that now, and then they the way of expressing that grows around it, and the others who kind of learn about it, but now somehow it's got to cook. To mellow and hide it. Because you can't really explain. Can't really explain. If you're in the company whose heart is open, mind open, the explanations become very easy and very joyful. You see? So it's not kind of uh, it's not a wooden thing. It's not a just well, you just put it down on paper, and there it is. No, no, it has to be a satsang. The world has to be in satsang, meaning that the heart is open. It's not come to fight. It's not come to demonstrate. It's just come. And when it uh, alights like that, you see, then the the conversing becomes communion. It's like a, a flow, like water being poured into water. It's very sweet, very easy. It's not an argument. Nobody needs to be convinced. Just somehow that you're in the you're in the in the ambient, you're in the in the energy field of God's presence or something. And then from there every being is getting satisfaction. Doesn't matter what stage you are, it is like the chef that serves food for everybody according to their taste. They escape. The others they're sitting in the schools of philosophy and they'll talk and talk and they'll argue and they'll write theses and all things about it. But some just come. And right where they sit, where they are, right there they merge their being in that. How are you going to explain these things? You don't know how well you are doing, you don't know anything at all. You see, you are just a baby in God's lap. And uh, something 
is taken care like that. You see, and imagination is not required because the evidence is strong enough. The evidence is strong enough. Then your eyes, your senses begin to really open. You begin to see that uh, the kindness of existence. We are missing the kindness of existence because we are so much in our own to try to satisfy our own projection. And the universe is not here to satisfy your projections. It's going to crush your projections so that your eyes can open to see the miracle of life that you are missing. It is here. But the mind gives us another option to try another version. Try it and see if you can do it through your projection. And then you say, Oh, life is so tough, man, it's so hard, and so on. But if something begins to soften itself, becomes pliable and open, receptive, to be guided, and it begins to, to sense life, to sense and to feel, to feel and, uh, and to find, to discover, without sweat and strain. You finding and what joy arises inside your being. Then you see that it doesn't have to be tough. It doesn't have to be when it needs to be a bit tough. When you know you need to, like you say, get a drop kick from God or something. <laughs> then it it happened. You know, then somehow you bounce about. You come to land in a place of great peace. <laughs> but if you were told before. Two o'clock tomorrow, God's going to give you a drop kick. You know, you're oh my God, you're already finished. But it happens when it needs to happen. If it needs to happen, so if it does need to happen, everything is just fine. I, feel it. I see it like that. Trygheten är din stolta mor.